Hi, welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Ruth Goodwin, an actor, writer, and producer you might have seen in the movie Ben's at Home, or popping up on Murdoch Mysteries, Workin' Moms, and Save Me. She'll be joining the cast of Private Eyes for its third season, airing this winter, and she's currently on stage at the Streetcar Crow's Nest Theatre in Toronto in the Howland Company's production of Sarah DeLapp's The Wolves, a Pulitzer-nominated drama about a girls' soccer team. Ruth picked Bend It Like Beckham, Gurinder Chadha's 2002 sleeper starring Parminder Nagra as a young Londoner named Jess who's offered the chance to join a women's football squad, which is something her fairly traditional family just can't handle. Further complications are provided when Jess and her teammate Jules, played by Kieran Knightley, both find themselves attracted to their coach, who's played by Jonathan Rhys Myers. It sounds like the stuff of a standard formulaic British comedy from the early 2000s, and it kind of is. But there's something about this movie that just works. Maybe the authenticity, maybe the characters, maybe the frenzied action. But whatever it is, we're still talking about it a decade and a half later. This is someone else's movie. What made me choose Bend It Like Beckham? I'm watching, I've been watching a lot of Bend It Like Beckham recently um, because I am working on this show about an all-girls soccer team. And uh, so this, it's funny, I, this movie came out when I was in high school and I absolutely adored it. And I, I love, there's a couple movies that this director's made that I love. Um... But this was, like, when I watched on repeat in high school and just, like, wanted to be, like, as cool as these girls. And then when The Wolves, the script for The Wolves came about, which is this play I'm doing about an all-girls soccer team, I was so instantly reminded of Bend It Like Beckham, obviously, because there's not a lot out there about women's soccer in the athletic community, but also in the the storytelling and, um, uh, media community either. So it just, yeah, it just jumped out at me and it's been on my brain a lot in the last month, month and a half. Yeah. It's, um, you were in high school. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm getting my head around that. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I saw it in my thirties, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the, I, I don't think that I underestimated it. I liked it at the time. I know exactly what kind of movie it is. It, it, and it, it's, it, going back and rewatching it when you picked it, I realized that it's really indicative of, spe- of a, like a specific point in English cinema where everything got really commercial, but it all had to be identity-based. It all had to be about the love of a thing. That's what got mm-hmm. movies made at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless they were you know chamber dramas, which the, that industry never stopped. But you've got this little explosion of movies where they sort of layer in popular culture and, and the intersection of, of English multiculturalism with sport and, and energy that comes in here. Yeah. Uh, and when I was watching it, I thought, Oh yeah, that's okay. But it never really occurred to me that people like kids, teenagers were going to like become magnetized to it the way that they were. That like, right. that was a totally specific I sound so old, but it was like a youth quake that I missed. I was right. aware of it and it was just like, that seems silly. But now, 15 years later, you look back and go, I oh, know, it was actually a pretty good movie for what that was. Yeah. 
I watched it again last night, and the director, Gurinder Chada. She also created a movie based on a series of books that I loved as a, a child called Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging. Right. And I watched these two movies, like, in, like, on repeat. And they were both... There weren't a lot of movies about funny, empowered high school girls when I was in high school. I mean, we could talk for this whole episode about how there still are not enough, but... It's sort of translated over to television, right? Like, it's been ghettoized in its own way. Yep. The idea that people don't want to see... Like, Mean Girls, I think, was the last gasp of it, and that was just, like, a year later. Yeah, that's true. But it... And that was another one I I absolutely loved. But they... It was so... This movie, Bend It Like Beckham specifically, was so refreshing because um, the the girls weren't... Like, they're just working as hard as they possibly can away from, you know, these stereotypes that their families have for them. It's like before the Bechdel test was even a conversation. Yeah. This Everything about this movie is like just what should be still being made today. Um it reminds me a lot of when I watched it last night. Uh, it reminded me a lot of my big fat Greek wedding as well. Yeah, yeah, that sort of embrace of ethnicity. Yeah, right? and I I think they're both. Yeah, now that you mention it, they have a really they both have a really messy quality. Totally. Where they're 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 trying to cram in a whole bunch of cultural stuff on top of an existing, uh, like a pre-established plot line that is mm-hmm. easier to digest that way. Yeah. Like it's the delivery system for all the all the insight about people. Yeah. Yeah. And they both feel somewhat they both have a sort of like somewhat budget feeling to them. Yeah. But in in both cases and in kind of like Beckham specifically, there is that sort of you can feel the it's a new story. You can feel the fight in the writer to get this story made, as opposed to it's not like a sequel or a cookie cutter kind of um, plot or with sort of cookie cutter leading actors. I mean, I think Kira Knightley, this was her first... It was her first major lead. Major yeah. thing. And, and, and um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Parminder Nagra got top billing because, of course, she did. It's her story, but um, Kira Knightley was sort of the face of the marketing in yeah. in North America. But yeah, it's it's not really a double act. It's like it's just a story. Yeah. And and um, I was surprised to find out Parminder Nagra had been acting for a while. But again, first lead, this was a big deal. Oh, I didn't know that. And I was kind of shocked to see. I had I did not remember that that was Archie Punjabi as, right. as Pinky as yes. her sister. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. So different from. Almost everything. I mean, I knew I knew about East is East. That was sort of the right. the film that made this one possible, just because really? it demonstrated that there was. Well, it it yeah, it kind of demonstrated that there was an audience for a South Asian family story yeah. in English cinema that wasn't stereotypical, or rather, like with East is East, it sort of embraces the stereotypes and leans right. into a lot of it. And this one doesn't really do that. They're anglicized. They're yeah. the conflict of being traditional. Uh, to their to their Indian roots is the same story as in East Disease, but in East Disease it was much more broad, mm. and it was sort of a um, it was a comedy about assimilation 
Mm. Um, in that the father had gone the other way and become a colonial, essentially. I see. So this one doesn't have any of that. It's all just sort of taken as read that the new generation is as London as it gets. Right. Uh, and they're dealing with their parents' expectations, which, again, like my big fat Greek wedding, it just makes it a lot easier to get the audience to buy yes. the central relationships and to say, and to, you know, like some part of our brains are going, yeah, the kids should be allowed to do whatever they want. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's much more universal. Yeah. But the fact of the weird sexual confusions and the and the, the gendery stuff yeah that plays as much more farcical i think it always did right but the, just the stuff with juliet stevenson who becomes yeah. convinced that that her daughter is a lesbian because she's yes. seen her hug another girl yeah. on the soccer pitch i don't know that you can do that anymore no that would not hold <laughs> up today that's funny i was talking to my roommate about this movie as i was leaving the apartment today because we were saying, um, she was mentioning that part specifically because she was like, I think I need to watch it again because when we were in high school, I didn't really get that yeah. part of the movie. She was like, but I think now that I'm older, I would understand it more. And I was literally like, no, I think it's just poorly done because <laughs> it is. It's a big like jump. But that's so funny. You just because because, you know, when you watch things in high school and then you watch them later and things make sense in a different way. Sure, yeah. But it's funny, she clocked that specific part of the movie, and I was like, no, I think it... it you're right, it does play a bit over-the-top farcical. Yeah. It and felt- then she's pretty, like, forgiven for what now we all know to be, like, absolutely horrible behavior. Yeah, it's... She's pretty... It, she's let off the hook. Yeah, at, at the time, it felt like a... Uh, like the 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 wacky misunderstanding thing that derails the plot in the second act. Yes, it wasn't even that, right? Because the wacky misunderstanding thing is the real misunderstanding. That that's the one the one thing about this movie that really surprised me on rewatch is that it's it's really broad, but it's not um, it's not predictable in the way you think it will be. Like the yep. the romantic rivalry over over Joe the coach is the thing that derails their friendship, which is actually while it's simplistic. That's emotionally real. I, yes. I was surprised by how well that played the second time through. Yeah. The idea that he's, you know, Jonathan Rhys Myers, who who is not the most electric person. Oh my god. Film. He's just sort of a. My sixteen-year-old self would vehemently disagree. With okay, you. but that's the whole thing. About it. <laughs> There's the. I know. I understand that that young women are enraptured by smooth boys who pout. <laughs> Um, but he is the smoothiest, poutiest boy of all. He in this is. Movie. He like invented smooth, <laughs> the smooth pout. He just, I actually like his performance in this one. Yeah, uh, I find him. I, I, I'm not that interested in him most of the time. No, but he's. You weren't a fan of the tutors. I smoothie pouty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. You know, it's just the. I I don't. Yeah, no. Uh, Kate watched. My, my wife watched the Tudors. Uh, I think the first season, and every time I came by, it's just like, okay, Henry VIII didn't have access to a Nautilus machine. Yeah, first of all, and he's <laughs> he's so sad and pouty, and oh, now sex with someone else. It's just it's those those shows have never done it for me. Mm, true, uh, <clears throat> but he works in this because he's an unattainable object. Right, the yeah. whole point of Joe is that he's their coach, and he, they they can have feelings for him, but he can't reciprocate. And it's surprisingly grown up about that. Yeah. Again, it's one of those things that could have been a really clumsy piece of storytelling. Yeah. That, But because the world that we're dumped into is so well-drawn, it just, yeah. you, you buy it. And, and everybody gets to be 
you know, Joe's problems with his father, which are kind of one-dimensional in, in that he won't talk about them, and all we mm-hmm. have is they don't they disagree about something. Yeah, uh, it works because he's keeping everyone at arm's length, and so yes. we're just more on on Jess's side because she wants to know him better and she's mm-hmm. drawn to him and that works because and it's and it's her story exactly yeah. yeah she cares about him so we're interested yeah but yeah I, I think your point about just the world being so well drawn like I, there were that I think that's what made this movie such a a part of my life and my friend's lives too because it was so truthful and when we were you know it like this movie was for the people who were the age of the girls in this movie essentially and when we were that sure. age like you would often like you would feel patronized by a lot of the stuff that was sort of marketed to you because it would be these sort of like one-dimensional like frou-frou stories um and this one just was so relatable and 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 you know what you're talking about with the maturity of the girls and the coach and that storyline like that it it's it's definitely a mature plot line but that was like that was what my life was like like we were very aware of our boundaries and our our what we were supposed to do and what we weren't supposed to do and and movies that sort of like pushed those boundaries you were like well that's so unrealistic and that would never happen and as a result like I don't empathize with that girl because like that's that just seems hokey in many ways but this one I just like I thought was so funny and like amazing and yeah 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 so did you did you get to see it theatrically I forgot to ask mm-hmm. you yeah yeah I think I got um I think I went to the to like a, an advanced screening with my friend's dad who like wrote for magazines and we got to go and um yeah we loved it yeah and it's it's one of those yeah i keep trying to come up with new ways to reclassify it but well what was the what was your um had you seen a film with with um, South Asian characters before, like this kind of world? How did it register to you? Did it feel? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, one of my best friends um, is from India, and she had and my sister uh, lived in India when I was in high school. So between the two of them, I was very. Uh, I was around a lot of um, amazing Indian culture, and uh, I think that's also why I just love some of the the jokes from her family specifically. But um, they had both like shown me like lots of Bollywood movies, and by the time I was already um, by the time I'd already seen Bad and Dead, like Beckham, I was pretty um, enamored by Indian culture, Indian humor. Mm-hmm in and of itself and so uh i think that's partially what drew me so much to it yeah yeah because it was it was a strange thing to watch that little window where um sort of there was a vogue for indian influence without actually being indian cinema it's you know ghost world had that opening number right with uh, john petty Ho and and deepa Mehta had made bollywood hollywood the year before Mm -hmm. which kind of spliced in the the cultural things but 
tried to do it in the service of a comedy that was a little more complex, and, and I, I don't know that it worked all that well. Right. And as a smaller Canadian film, it didn't really break. Right. This was this was different. This was sort of an arrival. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways, and it, it teed up uh, Chato's next film, which was Bright and Prejudice, which yes doesn't really work. Yeah. But, but this this moment where everything felt possible uh, and produced this movie is, you know, it, there's a again the, the direct line from the Full Monty and all these other yeah um, eccentric English cinema ventures. Because uh, on the other side, you've got people making, you've got Richard Curtis making Love Actually right. the same year and just cranking out this machine-tooled... Was that the same year? Uh, they were both in production at the wow. same time. Yeah. And Love Actually is sort of the glossy, uh, utterly artificial, completely unrealistic romance that uh, a certain f- subset of English cinema was devoting itself to, right? Because right? if it has Hugh Grant in it, and it checks yeah. these boxes, and it has pop songs, and then there's this, which is scrappier and weirder, and people are mean to each other, and friends can disagree. Like, there's no... Love actually has a couple that breaks up and all that, but it's not a film about tension. Like this is a movie right. where, where people are at odds all the time. Uh, just the, that opening with the sisters squabbling in, in the house, and, yeah. and suddenly we realize, oh no, this is—they're not going to sugarcoat anything. This this movie is going to be about people who have anger, yeah, uh, and and have to find a way to. I mean, and it doesn't. I kept thinking the first time I saw it, and again uh, when I when I just rewatched it, it's like. Oh yeah, they don't do a lot with her anger. She's, you know, you keep expecting it to make her the great uh, soccer player. That that's the yeah. thing that will motivate her. But she's already a great soccer player. Yeah. Which is also nice. Yeah. She just sort of throws that out. You know, like, well, I, I've been. You let me play when I was a kid, and now I'm really good. And yeah. Suddenly, her parents are stifling her. Which again, yes, it's a sports movie. That's always what happens. But it's kind of interesting to see. You know, a, a situation laid out to be predictable, but just not. And just it just refuses to take the easy way out in almost totally. every scene. Yeah. So, I mean, I totally get why you guys would connect to it yeah. when you're younger. Because it's giving you that, the you know, it gives you the familiarity of the story without the template. You don't, yes. You don't have to, it's not predictable. Yeah. And that's just phenomenal storytelling, like, at its best. Why do you think it worked so well when it came out? I feel like when I was younger I wasn't like aware of like where it was lying in the like trajectory of cinema at the time I was just like so excited by it but what do you think like led to that to its success I think that's probably it I yeah. think the fact that there were people who could just oh I want that you know I, I, it fills a hole that you didn't know you had in yeah. terms of what you were looking for for entertainment yeah. um, it's it's idiosyncratic it's weird uh, yeah. and, and it's character dynamics are Noisy, you know, like it's yeah. it's con- it's very. Uh, I mean, I I said it was messy because it sprawls out over all of these little plot lines, mm-hmm. but it also has the sense that, and this is the thing that the best English indies did at the time. It feels like there are lives colliding with each other all the time. That everybody is coming from somewhere, going somewhere else. Mm. We never really find out about what it is her father does at Heathrow, but he's right. always talking about going and coming, and yeah. it doesn't really matter in the end what he does He's, he works there yeah but it's just part of the color of the film that the more you learn about these people the more there is to learn and and yeah the fights over shoes and the uh and the the way that um the way that jess's family values certain things that other characters aren't even aware of or don't even care about the the relationship she has 
like the way she the way that um that Knightley's character is introduced was just sort of watching yeah. as she goes by. Again, it's it's something it's a cliche in in its way mm-hmm. because it's every sports movie has somebody being discovered. Yes. But she's discovered by another teammate rather than a scout or a coach. Yeah. Which makes it all kind of instantly relatable and and, and safe. Yeah. Right? I think she's not being she's not being groomed or, or plucked. There's mm-hmm. there's no miracle kid story, which is yes. what these sports movies almost always have. She's just a good player who gets to be on a team with other good players. And I think like also I mean to that point about how Kira Knightley's character is introduced. I mean, we've seen that time and time again, but we have not seen that with women. And when we when we talk about the archetypes of sports movies, they are the movies we're referencing are not about women's sports movies. And yeah, I think yeah. that was such a. Um, I think that I mean we're finding with the wolves as well that it's like women playing soccer is not to be. Uh, is no small thing like like and and it has led to you know has amazing audiences built into it and is so powerful and and uniting for girls who have grown up on teams any team soccer team any teams and with like a passion that you know, society in general is basically saying, like, it's not just her parents, like, they're up against, there's no way to professionally play football in England, they have to go to America, and, like, society is basically saying, like, for you, ladies, this is not an option, and I think, like, even, you know, however many years ago when this came out, that was so uniting for girls, it's, it's, you know, it's something that, like, obviously we're talking about so much in the media these days, but can't be talked about enough, in my opinion, because yeah. it's, it's you know, all of the sort of archetypes that this movie has, we've seen them, but we've seen them in a much more um, male-dominated industry with a lot more like male dominated stories so just even in and of itself taking those archetypes and making them about women and um uh indian women like i think makes it so just made this movie so revolutionary which it was there's there's no denying that this movie like came out and changed something yeah i was trying to think of anything else that might have been in theaters around the same time that was centered around women in sports and all i can think of is bring it on true yeah which, which is like the totally my point yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, it's way more interested in rivalries mm-hmm. and in pitting the girls against each other than this yeah. is i mean the the rival team is just the rival team there's yeah. never any sort of gendered mm-hmm. conflict yeah added in and even the other boys the, like the the younger men playing soccer who sort of tease Jess are immediately shown that she's better at it yeah. than they are and it doesn't become a thing it's just over it's just like a fact just, yeah she just proves herself and that's it yeah and they love her for that all the more which I think is amazing you know when she's playing in the uh, when she's playing on the team in the end and all her guy friends from the park are there to support her like I think that's beautiful storytelling I think that's such a um, it's it's small and, and, you know, you don't notice it that much, but the fact that these guys are all there to 
support her and her father's there and and they all have this like love of soccer that they that they can all relate to above and beyond the politics of everyone's personal behavior yeah. i think is so it's, it's just such a beautiful <laughs> film yeah it's got an unexpected empathy i suppose is, is too easy it's just got a warmth for almost everybody yeah. there are no villains there are just a couple of people who yeah. don't really understand what's going on and react yeah. badly and, and everyone has the very best intention, which is what life is. And yeah. that's what filmmaking should be is and storytelling of any kind. Like everybody thinks that they are the hero of their story. And if you can really show in a, in any film, theater, TV, like if you can show the, the good intention that everybody has with their horrible mistakes and slip-ups, <laughs> then you've really captured the human existence, I think. Yeah. I mean, the, the worst thing in this movie is being shallow mm-hmm. and not seeing people's potential mm-hmm. or not understanding what it is that they really want. Yeah. Uh, there's at least there's at least one closeted character yep. who stays closeted, which yep. I thought was interesting. That's yep. not a big thing at the end. It's his story and he'll deal with it his yep. own way. Um, it's a... There's a... Yeah, again, there's a generosity towards all the supporting characters. They're just they're not there to be cardboard cutouts. They're they're there to actually serve a purpose and yeah. maybe further their own stories a little bit too. Yeah, with the dad, when the dad has all the times been saying, you know, you have to be more of a woman, you have to be you have to listen to your mother, you have to be more of a woman, like that's why I don't want you playing soccer and then the coach comes and visits and the dad has this whole story of of, of experiencing racism Mm. when he first moved to London and and loving soccer himself and saying, like, if they won't let me and our guys play, why would they let our daughters play? I mean, that that was such a perfect example of everything you assume upon a character in this film is wrong because you can't assume anything about humans. And he, you know, like... It's like instinctually, you know, we all have our own biases. Instinctually, mine are like, oh, that dad like just wants her to be a woman and like be feminine, and well, he's bad. Yeah, Jess says as much herself really yeah. early on that she's explain she's laying out her parents' expectations for her, and she's wrong, but she doesn't know it. Yeah, and she's internalized totally the wrong lesson. Yeah, and but everybody's coming from a place of good. I have to say, I um, I did. Uh, they were gonna mount. There's been to, like Beckham the musical. Is it really? Yeah, and it's. Um, Nothing I don't, rhymes with Beckham. I yeah. <laughs> Heckam. Let I don't them know. hear you in Peckham. Well, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, call? exactly. Um, but they were going to mount it in Toronto, and uh, the only reason I know this is because um, last summer I was rehearsing a show. And in our rehearsal hall in the room next door, they were holding auditions. And oh my God, it was like, the show didn't actually end up getting off the ground, but it was, we were rehearsing this very serious play. <laughs> and then I haven't, I haven't heard musical theater auditions in a long time, but it was like, the purpose of the audition was like, to belt as loudly as you could. Like you sure. have to show them your belt. So we're, like, trying to, like, do all this very serious, dramatic acting. And, <laughs> like, literally every five minutes, you just be like, 
belting these high notes like through the walls, mm. shaking the whole thing. Just and, memory over and over again from cats. Yes, and I and it yes, and it totally um, like that. I was like, oh, I hate bend it like Becca. <laughs> like it just like for that summer, I was like, ugh, I can't. And then when I knew we were doing the walls, I was like, oh my god, there can't be two soccer plays about female soccer teams at the same time. <laughs> I was like, that will be terrible. But I, it, I never actually saw that play. I don't think it actually ended up happening. It's so. a surprise. It's news to me. Yeah. I mean, I guess Billy Ellie can be a musical. Anything can, but. Oh, right. It's just, uh, yeah. What would you, oh, see, now I want to. Now I want to build the Bend It Like Beckham musical just to see how it would work. I know. Where would you put the numbers? I mean, you. I guess the temptation is to do big Bollywood stuff, but that's. True. Iffy. But, yeah. And the way these girls were belting, it sounded like uh just a real classic. Yeah. I mean, given that you've got Beckham, you've also got Victoria Beckham. So maybe you could make a Spice Girls thing go in there. And True. A series like a jukebox. Oh, no. See, this is how these things happen. I know. People just start brainstorming and then they're real and you can't stop them. And then you them. can bring it on as a musical as well. Yeah, I did know about that. Yeah, Legally Blonde. They can make it. You can make a musical out of anything. You can. You shouldn't, but you can. You definitely shouldn't. <laughs> No. How would you even... Like, what would the... Because musicals need simple conflicts, simple arcs. I guess the family thing is enough to drive a Bend It Like Beckham musical. The romance, maybe, but it's it's a triangle for like three minutes. It's yeah. so quickly dispensed. Yeah. Which, I, which again, I admire. Because yeah. Because it doesn't try to milk it for the entire thing. They're kids. They get over it. They, they're more interested in the game anyway. Totally. And the, the one thing that doesn't really make sense in the whole movie at the very end is when Reese Meyer's just joins them at the airport. I know. And it's creepy. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of creepy. And it is, and her family doesn't even acknowledge him. In I that know. Big, the big waving montage at the end, he's like two feet behind everybody yes. else. It's like they know it's not right. Yeah. Some, some part of the film knows that this is yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, because it was. It, there was like, okay, no, she's going to choose like soccer. And yes, it would be like too much for her family. And like, there's that scene where you're like, great. Yeah. Great. yeah, they have this bittersweet parting. Yeah, where and then like, like, you're, like oh, okay, never mind. You're here, I guess. Yeah, it's the love actually thing. You know, yes. that, that was the year of running to the airport. Although they still, totally. they never stopped doing that. They just did one in Little Italy this year with the run to the airport, and it's embarrassing. Oh for gosh, I haven't seen that movie yet. Yeah, you'll it'll be on a plane. You'll see it. Oh good. It's oh good. Yeah, it's not good. I'm sorry, Little Italy people. Yes, it's, it just isn't good. Um, I auditioned for that. Who would you have played? Um, who would I have played? I'm assuming one. I think, like, one of the, her friend. She's got, like, a, a snappy friend. Oh, or... right. The one who's always uh, returning from things with large packages of shopping. Mm, that's That was the one. That's basically all I remember of that character. Yeah, yeah. She takes her to the bar to get her drunk on the first night. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, you get, you know, that gives us Andrew Fung, so it's worth it. Right. Uh, he's, like, the best thing about that he movie. Is and he's playing a character similar to... Uh, weirdly enough, similar to Tony in um, in Bendelet Beckham, he's playing somebody who uh, was sort of pushed out of his own uh, his own world because he came out mm. and ended up becoming Luigi, the guy with the bar in Little Italy, right. uh, because he can be gay there and it's fine. But, oh. Yeah, but it's the one interesting idea in, in the whole movie. And there is um... like it's the runner that goes through all of these things. I think. The, wow. It, it's the eternal supporting part. Oof. You know the, the the guy on the outside who understands, yeah. or the girl, but yeah. in, in this case, it's in in both Little Italy and Bend It Like Beckham. That character serves almost exactly the same purpose, which is fascinating. To me. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was I, you were going to say something. And I... We have. Um, I've heard that there's a 
an Italian restaurant in the movie where outside the restaurant the Italian flag is upside down. Oh God! <laughs> Maybe it's a sign of distress from the production so designer. I think. I think. With a set deck. Yeah, I think it was a missed oh. thing that I've heard that uh, just from I know a couple of people who are in that and I, I've heard they're just like oh God because of course it's all Italian performers in Toronto and it's just like uh. <laughs> But maybe they cut it out. I don't know. That's it's the only funny. thing I've heard of that movie. You can fix that in post. Yeah, exactly. At least I hope you could. Flip it around. Yeah. Flip it around. Yeah. And, and and I'm sorry. This is this is not supposed to be the shit on Little Little Little. No, episode. I'm sure Although it's I'm great. More than ha- no, it's not. It's oh, terrible. okay. It's terrible. <laughs> I, it's gone off. Uh, <laughs> it's just so easy. Right. And they shot right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually uh, there was a day where. Uh, we took Dexter for a walk. That mm-hmm. I took him to the to the school, a couple blocks over uh, Pierre Trudeau uh, oh, yeah. Elementary, because he's he's a hound, and apparently this happens. They fixate on things, and and he really likes pooping in the same place. Oh. So that day, Hayden Christensen was right in front of the place, and Dexter just walked right up and took a massive. <laughs> oh my god! I'm just like I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is in no way a commentary on on Attack of the Clones, but. <laughs> have a hound and he fixates on He just, he had to. He really had to. That's hilarious. He really had to poop in front of Hayden Christensen that day. And it wasn't, I don't, I I don't want it to have been a sign for the Mm. the film, but it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad movie. Uh, But, but, but it is in a weird way. And I think that's why I keep thinking about it. Um, It is what Bend It Like Beckham, or rather it wants to be what Mm. Bend It Like Beckham is, which is this portrait of a robust cultural center in the middle of mm. a pretty white space mm-hmm. right like it's it's everything that little italy does wrong is mm. stuff that bendit like beckham gets right which yeah. is to be this vivid understand like it's big and it's loud and it's silly and it is a little caricature but it does so in a self a self-aware self-conscious way that makes it okay for um uh, uh, an international audiences to connect to it. Yeah. And Little Italy just instantly, it's like, oh no, I know what you're trying to do and mm. I've seen it done right and this is the fake version. Yes. But that's what, I, and I keep trying to figure out, like, Gurinder Chada said that this was a, a movie that she wanted to make because it was her life even though it wasn't. Mm. She didn't live that life but mm-hmm. she related to every piece of it. Mm-hmm. That was how she explained it, yeah. I think, at the time and it's probably on the commentary track somewhere. Uh, but there, but it's so bespoke like it's so personally put together yeah that she even the running gag about people cooking alu gobi which you never see but they're constantly talking about yeah. it yeah she there's a video on the on the dvd of her cooking it on camera because she said like this is how you do it wow and it's one of those things that feels really eccentric for two minutes like is this some kind of bizarre vanity video and then the more you watch it the more you the more it seems like really clear this is exactly what she's talking about like she wow. she baked this authenticity into the movie yeah. this is the world she sees that's beautiful it kind of is yeah. right like in a movie about a girl who wants to play soccer somehow yeah. also you have this massive um heartfelt yeah. understanding and, and and study of of integration and assimilation and and what it means to be other in england right. in the early 2000s and, you know, like, this is right after 9-11, too, where tensions yeah. against brown people in the U.S. were very, very different from yeah. what they were in the U.K., and, and it was kind of nice to see something come out that yeah. wasn't 
ever politically charged. Right. Like there's that little conversation they have about who they're allowed to date early on when Jess is explaining the, the caste system of, yes. of, of racial integrate of racial yeah. dating to her teammates. And that's it. It's never touched upon. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some tension later about maybe if she ever got together with Joe and parents wouldn't be ready for it. Mm. But we get to know them by the end of the movie well enough that they probably will be fine. They also, yeah. I think, know it won't last. I know. Yeah. You're also like, how old are you? Yeah. Come on. He's got some issues. Yeah. (laughs) He's got some some stuff to work on. Yeah. But he's so smooth. And he's so pouty. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was the summer of Kira Knightley for sure. Whenever (laughs) this came out, that was like, Love Actually, Pirates of the Caribbean, this. Yeah. And she's got, like, she's doing different stuff in all of those movies. I don't know why people were so dismissive of her. In the mid, like in the around Pirates two and three, I think there was this weird backlash where really? Jerry Bruckheimer, she was talking about it too, about how Jerry Bruckheimer taught her to act with her mouth open, and everybody was making fun of it. Oh, and yeah, it's this weird tick. She has it in the Pirates movies where she's just constantly her mouth is always open. Interesting. Apparently, Jerry Bruckheimer thought it would make her look sexier, Ugh. and she was young enough that she went for it. Yeah, and talked her into it, and then she had to take it back. Like she had to basically wow. reclaim her jaw. It's such a weird thing for anybody to have to do. Wow. She, she has a really distinctive face, and yeah. it became a thing. And just watching this again, it's like, she, okay, first of all, she looks 10. She, she looks so she young. She is a wee lass. She yeah. is a child. But it works for the role. And, <clears throat> yeah. And it really differentiates her. I mean, I know she was pretty young when she made the first Pirates movie, yeah. but she feels like a kid yeah. in a way that she doesn't. Like, she's got the energy and the gangliness. She's long yeah. and lithe, and her legs are moving all the time, and she's doing stuff with yeah. her body. It's yeah. The only thing that the the only thing that landed weird this time for me about her performance was the clubbing scene where like she's eighteen. They say that they're both eighteen mm. and they're going out drinking and it's just like I know English culture is different, but they're really sexualized. Yeah. And that's the scene where they end up almost kissing. Yes. So it's just yeah. one moment where it's like, Oh, this is I don't know. Is yeah. it like is that a thing? How did that play for you at the time? Did it feel like at the time, I don't or? think it. I didn't really think about it. Yeah, is it the fantasy thing? Like they're getting away from them, so they're in Germany. They're not. Yeah, I think that was part of it, and like it was. Like I always loved that. Like the it just reminds me of that movie Step Up. Like <laughs> they go clubbing as well. But I like That's when so we funny. were younger. It was like, oh my gosh! Like I want to do that. And then when I watched it again, I didn't really think twice about it to be honest. But. Yeah. But I think everything about that seems real to me as well. It, you know, it's it's a bit... It gets a bit, you know, questionable. And especially, it's like, when they get so drunk. But you're like... Yeah. At the time, that's all I wanted to do. was like, dress up and go out and be seen. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it would be silly to pretend that this isn't what happens when kids exactly. go, go on trips. Maybe the maybe all it is is that there's no consequence. Like they're they're they come out of it just fine. Yes. There's no morning after hangover jokes. Like it's just it's yes. just uncommented upon. And there is no consequence in this movie for a lot of things. Yeah. Which you're that's one where you're like, ah, there could be a bit more um accountability. And I think like but again, I've seen way more movies from this time period that do not stand up today yeah. in a much more dramatic, serious way than this one. I thought for the most part, this one stands up 
pretty pretty well yeah today maybe the lack of like big dramatic fireworks actually means that it plays more like life yeah it feels more real yeah it oh. definitely was what i wanted my life to be like <laughs> <laughs> but i was like so not athletic also as a child that i just thought all girls that played soccer were so cool yeah yeah. Well, when you're, I mean, I was the same way when I was a kid. Anybody with a with an ability that I didn't have was totally. basically like a mutant. Yes. And you're just in awe of them. Yes. So, I mean, did you, to, is what is required for the walls? I mean, did you have to learn stuff? Did you have to, yeah. have a, is it a routine thing? Is it a, more of a physicality? Um, well, we had to, uh, we played soccer with each other all summer. Um, we played in a league um, that did sort of training sessions on Monday night. So we, and then sort of a scrimmage at the end of uh, the training. So we played as a team uh, all summer with each other. And then we had some, uh, like a soccer liaison come in and train us. Um, we mostly do the whole show. We're doing stretches and drills. So it's, we don't have to be like particularly good at actually playing soccer, but we do have like, we're juggling, we're passing, um, so we just had to get pretty tight control with the ball. We do like a spider web thing, which, uh, it's just, I guess, uh, a warm up I didn't know about, <laughs> but, um, but the whole show is like, you're running for the whole, from the minute the show starts till it ends. It's like very physical. So we also just had to get in good shape to be able to do it successfully. Yeah. That's not easy. I don't think no. I just like the sustained... Somebody told me once they were doing, oh, it was Noises Off. It was just like Oh my gosh, I love thing. Noises Off. Yeah. But they found out, he found out he was developing calves because he was constantly waiting to move. Like he was really? standing on the balls of his feet for the whole thing. He yeah. didn't realize it. So at the end of the, the run, it was like a summer stock thing, I guess it must have been. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the run, it was just like, yeah, I have, I, I was like built. Yeah. From the, noises from Off would down. build you up for sure. That's yeah. another explosion of a play. Yeah, but you're, and you're just, I mean, being, being on stage is in and of itself increases your heart rate for sure. sure. But, uh, we also like, we're doing all these drills, but there's no bumpers to the audience. So the control is really important. Like we, we've, we haven't lost a ball yet, which has been great, but it's like the way the show's written, everyone's talking basically at the same time. It's kind of written like a composition of music. Mm -hmm. Um, so you kind of have like, usually like the main conversation and then, you know, the playwright likens it to like, and then you'll have like a little softer conversation over here, which is kind of like the flute and then like, kind of like, um, but it's very challenging to do that and maintain control of the ball. (laughs) Um, but we're, we're, we, we're getting pretty good at it. Cool. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, this sort of gets us there already, but the, the, the final question of the podcast is always the same, which is, is there anything of Bend Like Beckham that you have borrowed or stolen or copied or absorbed into your own creative DNA? Is there something that you've used from the film? Oh my gosh, great question. Um, I'm a, a writer and a producer as well, and, um, uh, as well as an actor, and I... I've I've alluded to it a bunch of times during this interview, but I I love female stories. I mm-hmm. I, I am somebody who didn't 
like when we were in college and everyone was like quoting old school and like all these Will Ferrell movies like I was never somebody that quoted movies and I didn't know why because I was like always like fun friends with people and I just never like watched movies and retained quotes because they didn't like in retrospect I feel that they didn't really they weren't about me like they were about the male story sure um and films like Bend It Like Beckham um have influenced my career in so many ways just because I love they, they sort of gave me hope at an earlier age that there were not only, like, stories about, like, funny women, because, I, I mean, I'm a comedian as well, I do a lot of improv, but, like, um, like, sort of that women could be, like, funny and have anger and have love and be passionate about something, and and that not only could those stories be made, but those stories could be received by massive audiences. Sure. Um, and I, that, I think that the main sort of thing that I that I take from this film is is just like like it's always encouraged me to like hammer home like that being funny and funny storytelling and truthful storytelling will always have an audience and I think before, like when I was younger and before I saw this movie and her other film Angus Songs and Full Friends of Stogging, I felt very like isolated from films in you know and like Bendy Like Beckham is a film I quote all the time. So is my Big Fat Greek Wedding. So is the Mindy Project, the show. And sure. it, and it wasn't until I started realizing like oh the movies that I quote are you know written for women about women and that's why I think they're so funny and that's why the quotes land with me so that was a very long winded response no 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 it makes perfect sense I mean it's the stuff that represents you it's the stuff that you feel you feel seen by yeah so is there a line is there one specific line you fall back on oh my gosh from Ben and Valley I'm trying to think well my friends I always (laughs) say um just when there's like like there's this that when she comes back in to uh, her parents' apartment and they think she's been kissing Kira Knightley's character and and she's like, I was at the bus stop but with my friend who's a girl and the the mother is just like, oh, these English girls, they have such short hair these days. That's right. But like me and my friends always say that. We're like, oh, these English girls, they always have such short hair. I don't know why. That was just like one of those like that landed when we were 16 and it's just an inside joke with a very specific group of friends that I have there was like a series of movies that I think we all watched at a certain age when you could literally finish a movie and then just begin the same movie sure. again <laughs> and this has that this one hit me in that like period of time in my life so yeah we would just have sleepovers and like it would be over and then we'd just be like let's just watch it again yeah 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 it was horror movies for me it's very different relationships yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's always uh there's always like a cut like there's I feel like everybody has like eight that they can quote until the cows come home yeah yeah well this is not a bad one to have in the uh, no in the holster exactly
Yeah. My thanks to Ruth Goodwin, who's finishing her run in The Wolves on stage at Streetcar Crow's Nest in Toronto through this Saturday, October 27th. Tickets are still available at crowstheater.com. And you'll see her on Private Eyes when that show returns for its third season later this winter. Thanks also to Suzanne Cheriton. She knows what she did. You can find Ruth on Twitter at Ruth underscore Goodwin, and you can find Bend It Like Beckham on DVD from 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment. There's no Blu-ray edition in North America, which is weird, but you can find the HD version on iTunes and Google Play. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you feel like leaving a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy the show, that would be greatly appreciated. Every little bit helps. It truly does. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening. <laughs>